you're listening to a collective of Mission City Fellowship. Collectives are classes for gathering and growing in grace together. In a collective, there's teaching and sharing from those in attendance, but we purpose to only record the teaching portion of the collective class. May this teaching bless you. May it deepen your understanding and knowledge of the Lord and His Word and lead to your growing affections for the Lord and His people. And so, impact the way we live life with one another at Mission City Fellowship. Okay, we're going to do some interacting here. Um, I would like us to take some time and talk about who God is and what God is like, okay? Uh, so what does the Bible tell us about God? What What is is his character? So, just... He is just. Just. Mm-hmm. Keeps his promises. True. We'll just say true. Creative. What else do we know about, the, about God? Loving. He's able. Immovable. Unchanging. Mighty. Mighty. the omnipresence power. Yeah. Sovereign. Okay. What? Sovereign. Sovereign. Joyful. Merciful. Merciful. Patient. Patient. Loving. Boy, you're missing a big one. Yeah, omniscient. I kind of had that. Gracious. Yes. Well, merciful. We have creative, but yes. Father. Father. Generous. Generous. Forgiving. 
Forgiving. Father. What else? Generous. Generous. Huh? What? Missing the big one. You, who said it? Holy. Holy, yes. Righteous would be. Not righteous. <laughs> what? What else? Huh? Giver. Giver. Okay. Omnipotent. Omnipotent. I'm, I'm putting them in the omni over here. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. All-knowing, everywhere, all-powerful. Provider. Provider. I know my writing is not the best, but... Sustainer. Our banner. Sorry, what? Our banner. Banner. Okay. Is there salvation? Salvation. Okay. Okay, that's great. I mean, we we could go on and on with that. Okay. Let's take a little bit of time and talk now um, about some of the challenges and difficulties that life presents. To us. <laughs> well, let's let let's yes. Like, what are some specifics? What's <laughs> financial? Financial. Grief. Grief. What? Death. What brings like grief? Death. Be, try to be specific. Change, I mean, like job change. Yeah. Like, How about job security? Job yeah. security. Or job loss. Inflation. What? Inflation. Inflation. Sickness. Sickness. Children. Children. Depression. Depression. Lost parents. Lost parents? Yes. Or loss of loved ones. Mm -hmm. Parents, loved ones. Betrayal. Betrayal. Lost family members. Yes. Also of loved ones, yes. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Oppression. What? Oppression. What's, what would be an example of oppression? Like, um, abuse. Yeah. Uh, government, government oppression, like people who live in. Disappointment. Disappointment. Or failure. Two S's, that's a point. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 
You know, when you, when you live by spell check, you just stop. I know. You the, I, keep, I keep writing this, I keep waiting for it to flag it. See if I can spell it. <laughs> Disappointment. Someone said something else. Failure. Failure. Lack of assurance. Yeah. Christ lost. Yeah. Performance or lack of. I mean, try to think of situations. How about like, like an angry neighbor? Think of, try to push on specifics. Maybe from your own life or, huh? Car accident. Hostility. Addiction. What if you miss like a Bible reading? You know, you can feel like that failure from condemnation if you're Yeah, condemnation. Evil leadership? Rejection in like a relationship? Yeah. Yeah, that never happens. That loneliness, yeah? Death. Huh? Death? Death twice. issue we're talking about with anxiety and fear in our lives which is greater this list or this list this is greater but we live as if this is greater So this tells us that anxiety and fear when it comes up, there's a disconnect because this should be what's motivating, controlling, directing, protecting, invading. It should be increasingly invasive, uh, pervasive. But yet this is where we live. So as we're thinking about anxiety and fear, it operates in the realm of these kinds of situations. 
these kinds of issues, and these things become bigger and greater to us, and they're, 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 they're better, they're wiser, they're stronger, and they're more to be feared than, than this person, than, than the Lord. So when we're dealing with anxiety, and we're dealing with fear, you need to be thinking, okay, there's a disconnect here. Some dots need, you know, I need to draw a line between the sovereignty and goodness and kindness of God in my situation. Because right now, this just feels like it's operating independent of the, of the one who loved me, saved me, is for me, is just, holy, true, all these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just another way I'm trying to help you understand anxiety and fear in your life. Just another way to help us to, to, to connect dots between what is true and what we are facing. Because anxiety and, and fear exist because we don't connect those dots often. In some cases, you can connect the dots and the fear and anxiety. There are other things involved, but that's a, that's a different thing. But for most of us, it's probably just that. Okay? People who deal with significant anxiety, there may be other things involved. There are physiological things. Uh, but I think for most people, we're dealing with just like we live as if, if this is greater than this. We're living as if this undoes this. We're living as this makes this obsolete. We're living as this obscures our Lord and our God. And so we keep having to come back to these things and reminding ourselves of who the Lord is and what He has done and the promises He has made because this is hard. And I'm not saying otherwise. This is really hard. To various degrees. I know you've heard me say this before. There's three kinds of people. There are those who are in adversity. There are those who are going into adversity. And then there are those who are coming out of adversity. We're somewhere on that spectrum of adversity. It's part of who we are. It's part of the human experience. Because we're not in the Garden of Eden. We're in a sin-broken world. So we're somewhere always on that. In any way, adversity, difficulties, challenge, opposition, experiencing lack... Uh, betrayal, all these things, they're very real. And trusting in the Lord doesn't make these things that we, we're somehow to deny them. We're, we're confessing that He is greater than these things. We keep coming back to this again and again and again. We're, we're, we're learning to confess. No, I know right now the depression. I know right now I'm feeling the betrayal of, of a close friend. And it hurts, Lord. But I know You are greater. So, Lord, do that work in me. And I'm going to keep praying that prayer till it changes. I'm going to keep coming back to this again and again. It's not a one-time thing, and that's where we like, oh, yeah, here's the, here's the magic prayer. It doesn't work that way. We keep coming back to the Lord, keep opening our hearts to the Lord, keep calling upon Him. And, and oftentimes, there are some times, and I think it's just awesome, and, and, and we probably all experience where the Lord just... He does do something in our heart. He does change. That's awesome. And we would pray for that. But I have seen 95% of the time that it's this progressive thing the Lord usually does. Because He's working something deep in us. And He's addressing deeper issues. And the deeper these things go in our lives, the, the harder that is for us to deal with sometimes. You know, it's one thing if you cut a little, a little cancer thing off your skin. It's another thing if it's in your bones. The Lord deals with things on a deep level. And that's what He's doing in our sanctification. So, and this is what Jesus is addressing. Jesus is in Luke chapter 12, and that's where we're going to pretty much 
end up our time. He's addressing this dynamic. Okay? So let me read Luke 12, if you want to follow along, beginning in verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember, again quoting David Pallison, uh, God is always going someplace good with us, and that's what he's intending with this, this verse. Jesus is helping us to understand anxiety and fear and how our Lord addresses that. He's helping us to orient our life to God. He's helping us to to orient our life around God. He's helping us to orient our life for God so that this is prominent and dominant, not this. One of the dangers and a way that anxiety and fear comes into our lives is when we try to orient God to our lives instead of we're being oriented to Him. We try to make Him fit into what we want. We try to get Him to serve our kingdom. We try to get Him to promote our glory. And Jesus is saying, no, we are to orient our life to Him. We are to orient our life to His purpose, to His kingdom, to do what He wants, to serve His purposes, to promote His ultimate glory. And and this is a danger that we all face. Where and it seems to be really prevalent in the last 30 or 40 years in evangelicalism, where, where the most important thing is not the story that God is telling of redemption. The most important thing is each individual person's story and how God supports that. 
And that just guts Christianity of its life and its force. And it turns, it turns God into just this good, you know, grandfatherly kind of person instead of someone who is wholly just and actively moving history towards His appointed end. And, he get, and we get to be part of that. He calls us into what He's doing. We're not trying to force Him into what we're doing. And it's everywhere. It's just in Christianity everywhere today. And, it, and, it, and it's exacerbated oftentimes by the music that, 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 that's dri- driving this. And, and there's so much, there is so much good contemporary music out there, but there's also this, it just, it makes us the center. And here's what's, here's what's so, so bad about that. God does care about our individual lives. He really does. We've been talking about that. He's all in with us, but he loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay where we are. And he wants us to move towards him and his will and his kingdom and his ways. And so when we deal with anxiety in our life, oftentimes it's because we're trying to figure out how we can get God to do what we want Him to do. And isn't it amazing how, how the Lord just always agrees with us and what we think is right and what we want? Instead of us, we're constantly submitting ourselves to what His Word says and what He says and what He's doing. We're trying to act as if we can pull God down into our agenda. And what matters is His agenda. And that we get to be part of that. And that's a glorious thing. That's a wondrous thing. That we get to be part of the kingdom work that He is doing. And when, he, when Jesus comes again and He establishes the kingdom, we get to be part of that and rejoicing in that. And we're working towards that. So Jesus is here. He's trying to help us make sure that our orientation is life, in life is, is, is towards the Lord first. And not towards ourselves. Although He's going to deal with the things that we need. The things that... I mean, right, God could have given us just a spiritual existence, right? He could have done that. But He didn't. He created a physical world. He gave us physical bodies and five senses to interact with that physical world. And eternity, we're not going to be spirits. We're not going to be spirits floating on clouds. We're going to be physical beings in a real world that is physically present. He didn't have to do it that way. But he did. Jesus becoming flesh, that just makes it all the more remarkable. That he is eternally the Son in the flesh. It's just remarkable. So we are called not to be anxious. And to do that, there's, there's, there's seven reasons that we can find in this passage we read. To not be anxious. And, the, and, and, and I would say that was just a way of introduction. We want to make sure that we're, we're not trying to drag God into our agenda uh, but we're, we're, we just see our life as serving His glorious cause. Here's the first reason, and, and so now, let's look at seven reasons to not worry. First reason not to be anxious or not to worry. Number one, our lives are much more valuable to God than food or clothing. 22, and He said to His disciples, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, what you will put on it, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. We have to let that truth hit. Jesus, basically, verse 22 is picking up on the, after he told the story in verses 13 through 21 of the rich man, the, 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 rich, the rich fool, essentially. The rich man whose, whose fields and his harvest were plentiful. And so the man says, he's looking around, says, I need bigger barns. My problem is I need bigger barns. He, he, he looks around and he says, man, I have everything that I need. What more could I, I want? Um, 
Jesus is, is basically building upon that, making driving his point point home that the rich man having money didn't secure him anything of eternal value or anything of eternal significance. And that that is Jesus' point here. There's much more important things going on in life than the stuff we worry about. What we fear and what we do with Jesus is what matters. So let's fill in the blank. My life is more than what is it that, that, that's making you feel like, no, my life is that thing? Jesus is saying, no, our life is so much more than food. It's so much more than drink. It's so much more than where we live. It's so much more than all of that. Food, clothes, money, position. What do you worry about? My life is more than whatever it is you worry about. These things, maybe we list it here. Our lives are more valuable to God than food or clothing. There's so much, and a part of that is there's there, 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 there's so much more important things that we should be fearful, uh, that we should be focused on. Second reason to not be anxious. Our lives are much more um, important to God than the crows. He, now he calls them, he says, verse 24, Consider the ravens, they neither, neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? The ESV, which I just read, calls them ravens, but crows basically is what they are. Uh, these are scavenger birds. These are not majestic eagles. God provides for a bird that essentially, according to old covenant law, is a trash bird. It's unclean. Can you imagine all the religious people in his day hearing... What do you mean? God cares? That's a trash bird. God cares about them? This, and, and Jesus' point was, yeah, God feeds them. God is involved in the physical world here, but people matter much more to God than crows. You matter much more than crows. Third reason to not be anxious. Worrying adds nothing to life. Verse 25, And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? There is nothing you add to life by worry. Worry is like it's like sitting in a rocking chair. There's just a lot of energy and emotion that's not going anywhere. See? Thank you. <laughs> If you could do more vigorous, that would help too. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah that's what worry, anxiety does. A lot of energy that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Worry cannot and does not help accomplish anything. Matter of fact, it impedes. Okay? So, so far, the first three reasons not to worry we have seen is something bigger is going on in your life than what you worry about. You matter more than the crows, and it's pointless to worry. Worry accomplishes nothing. The fourth reason from this passage... Look at the lilies. Verse 27, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Now, we're not, we're, we're not talking about roses or orchids or even tiger lilies, some of the things that we associate with this. Jesus is basically pointing to a weed here that grows in the cracks and the crevices among the rocks and in the rough grass. God made flowers that nobody plants and nobody cares about except Him. Yet God made them dazzle. More so than Solomon in all his glory. Solomon couldn't even compare. If God adorns mere wildflowers with glory, how much more will He make us as radiant reflections of Himself? He said, God will take care of you. Look at the lilies. Consider that. Fifth reason. Don't seek what you're going to eat and drink. Verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Seek here is, is not just a casual thing. It's an obsession. It's a drive. It's a preoccupation with getting food and drink. Remember, he is addressing people living in a time and culture where there are no grocery stores. Certainly no Costco's. Food and drink were not, I mean, it was a different way of, if you think about it, how you had to live. You lived day to day, meal to meal almost. Jesus said, I promise you, talking to them, think about how that would hit, that your father knows what you need. All the nations of the world seek after these things. Your father knows that you need them. Don't seek what you're going to seek something. Orient yourself to what God is doing. The sixth reason, not to worry, God promises Himself instead seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. Get your life ordered around God's kingdom values and God's priorities. Be about what the Father is about is what Jesus is saying here. Leave fretting behind. Seek something bigger, something better, something worthy, and something rewarding. If you're giving your heart to serving the one who's like this, and who has a will and has a coming kingdom, that has a way of putting this in perspective. Because God says, you give yourself to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you. I'm going to take care of these things. And he may not eliminate them. They may even get worse. But our focus is still on the Father. It's still where it needs to be. And He promises He'll be with us and carry us and provide for us and bring us hope and, and stay with us in the middle of these hard things. Just as we saw earlier that the Lord is near, understand that God the Father is near. And He's not like an earthly father. Even when we mean well, we come up short. And for some people, the whole concept of Father may not be a good thing because of sin and abuse that may have come from Him. God is our Father. He loves us as the perfect God, true and just. What happens when we begin to truly accept and believe that our Father is God, God weighs so much more for us. He becomes so much bigger to us when we understand these things. So we can live our lives for His kingdom Trusting that our God, in our God, through all these things, Jesus here is describing a different kind of life than what worry, anxiety, and fear allow. See, anxiety, fear, worry, it, it sucks you in here and it takes away energy and attention and even affection from this. It's it all demonstrated and poured out here. Jesus is describing a life certainly filled with challenges. And hardships, but a life that is abundant in grace and provision. He is this God that just, He's a, he's a Father. I, I, even to this day in seminary, Terry and I, um, 
we became good friends with another couple, um, uh, Andrew and Lori. And um, we went to Shakespeare in the Park. We were living in Fort Worth, Texas. And we went to Shakespeare in the Park. And um, and at that time, they had a young, their, their first son, who Jonathan was his name. And he was just old enough to walk. And uh, at the park, basically, they, they, there was this steep hill. And kids were running up and down it and playing, you know, before the before the Shakespeare began. And here's what was happening, and it was just, it was really cool to watch. Jonathan, this young toddler, uh, he would run up that hill with his dad behind him, and then he would just throw himself back into his dad's arms. And he was just laughing. He was so, it was just so really, it was so cool to see him. He did it again. He would just, he was just shrieking with delight. Just the greatest thing in the world, just throwing himself back in his father's arms. I think that is something of a picture of what Jesus is describing here in our father. That we could live like that, just confident in our father. Just throwing ourselves back with delight into his arms, into his love. I mean, he has us. He's on scene. We can trust him. He's present. He will never leave us or forsake us. Living our lives in that kind of complete trust that God will catch us if we fall, that he's there all the time, that he is our father. Seventh reason not to worry. And this has to do with, uh, we've been given so much, so give your life away. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with the treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where there no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Anxiety thrives because we want to get something. Getting is a way anxiety works in our lives. We want esteem, respect, money, comfort, security, good children, a big IRA. We want, we worry we won't get what we want. So everything oftentimes in anxiety is, you know, get, got, gotten, want to get, maybe I won't get. And Jesus says, give. Turn the arrow from this way to this way in your life. Turn the arrow around. Give because you have been given. Give because there's nothing really to worry about. So you can give because you know your father's got you. Yeah, it, it, you're still hurt. And there may be confusing. I'm not... I'm not painting a broken I hope you don't hear that like oh yeah it's all going to be good and it's all God's going to take no there's still hard things but he's in it with us with the promise of what's coming one day when all this goes away and only this is what we experience so we don't forget we can live for something much better for money as you said money belts that don't wear out for treasures that cannot fail us or be taken from us or become tattered or moldering. Jesus said if we trust Him, follow Him, live for Him, orient our lives to and around and for Him, we have the best things we could ever want and we will never lose them. So what is the big quote? Um, he is no fool. Who can finish that? Who said that? Jim, Jim Elliott. Yeah. And that's, he just kind of summed up all what Jesus just said there. 
So let's let's end our time with some practical things as we deal with this. I, I this is like a this is a flyover, like a thirty thousand feet. I've tried to bring it down lower at times, but because um, I know your anxieties and the things you do, there can be very significant things if you deal with pressing anxiety. If you're maybe one of those those um, diagnoses that I had that that you would fall into that that this is this is not just. I know there are other things that can be going on here, uh, but I wanted to get out the foundation because even if you deal with OCD or you deal with with crippling phobias or you deal with um, whatever it may be, it's still the same answer. How we deal with it may be a little more intense, though. Okay, so how do we handle anxiety and fear? Number one, name the pressures and worries and frets and fears in your life. Name them. Write it down somewhere. I was never good at just keeping things, you know. I, I actually had a pastor who had a just a photographic memory. He could see something or hear something and he never lost it. And he could give it back verbatim. He went to he went to he went to UTSA and he graduated with a four point and he never took a note. Actually he didn't. He he graduated second in the class. First in his class was, was his wife. <laughs> she didn't have photographic memory, but she had. She just worked, <laughs> and she was obviously pretty pretty smart. But for most of us, we try we 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 keep stuff in our heads. And as Tara and I have learned, until you write it down and get it out and can look at it, it's just this mess. Yeah. We did that in our finances. When we started looking at our finances and writing it out instead of just assuming what we knew what was going on, numbers don't lie. Well, I guess you can lie when you put them down. But if you're honest about that, you're like, oh, oh, we always thought we were only doing, oh, my goodness, you know. I only thought we spent $4 at the tea place. Oh, we spent 200 You know, it's like, oh, because you think you just lose track in your head. The same thing that you do with these things. Write them down. Look at what is really going on in your life, the things that you are facing Put a name to them, okay? Put a name to them. What do you tend to worry or fret about? What are, you, what are your reasons for fretting or worrying or anxious? Get these things down. Look at them. So one of the things that will happen to you as you commit this to the Lord, you can see progress then too. It's, you're not just keeping it all up in your head. We want to see clearly. Anxiety and fear likes to exist in a fog. Writing it down helps against that. Anxiety feels like a thousand things all at once, but when you work through it, you see what you're actively dealing with. Maybe it's not all those things. Maybe it's just a one thing or, or a few things. And name those things, whatever they are. Fear of dying, worry about dementia, fretting, about work, about children, whatever it is. Write them down. And then you're just committing that just before the Lord. You're saying, Lord, these are the things that come. These are the things I'm feeling. These are the things that are obscuring you in my life at times. Two, identify how you express anxiety. You need to be able to spot the signs of anxiety in your life. How does anxiety show up? Is it panic feelings? Maybe something, your throat starts tightening. Could be sleeplessness. Maybe it's irritability. Uh, maybe it's repetitious thoughts. 
Maybe you're like, you, you, you know anxiety when you start reliving some conversation over and over in your head. Or you're going over some scene from your life again and again. Reliving an argument maybe again and again. Know the signs. These are the red light indicators. Be aware of your body. Are you getting headaches? Do you find yourself, it's like, I don't know why, but every time it seems like I start thinking about this, I end up with a huge bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Is it? I mean, we all, it, it, it can be different for us. We don't all process anxiety the same way. You may chew on your nails. You may, you know, twirl your hair. You may, you know, whatever it is. Know the signs. Uh, and you may need help with this. This is where if you're married, your spouse could say, yeah, I, here are the things that I see. Or somebody that's close, a close friend or a brother or sister. They can help you see what uh, what you do because often sometimes we're not aware. And, you know, it, nervous tics, nervous things that you do. Um, sometimes that, that's anxiety. When I would preach, <laughs> I didn't know this till Terry told me. She said, uh, I don't think I do this much anymore do I but I would just grab my ear why I don't know I mean preachers preachers have those kinds of things you know that they, that they do and it's when she's like I had no idea because there was a nervousness and I mean it's not on the level of this obviously but but it, it was it was coming out of a certain amount of anxiety in my life and when I, I realized when I was more confident in the text and in the sermon that I didn't do that when I wasn't as confident I you know I would I would do that. So if you ever see me doing that, you know I'm anxious. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. Ask yourself number three. Ask yourself why am I anxious? Why am I anxious? Where have I forgotten God? What where what are the disconnects? Where do the dots not not connect? What are you looking at or consumed with that feels greater and stronger than God? Name it. Don't be vague. Don't 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 be gracious about this. Be 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 law. You know, name it tight and clear when you're when you're dealing with this, so we can be very clear about these things. Where has God been displaced by your worries? Where has your heart been hijacked by something that's lesser than than Him? Which everything's lesser than Him. Think in terms of what you want. Anxious people tend to be greedy people. What do I crave? What do I expect? What do I demand? These are the kinds of questions you're asking. On the other side of that is what do I fear losing? Or what do I fear never getting? Search to see what is the object of your affections. What have you oriented your life around getting or around holding on to? These things want to stay hidden in us. Sin doesn't like exposure. It thrives in the dark, right? That's why it's a good thing as you're processing this to just make Psalm 139, 29. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous or harmful or wicked. All that could be understood by the word grievous. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. That's just a great prayer. Right? 
as you're you're dealing with anxiety. Lord, search my heart. I don't see clearly. You do. Help me to see. Number four, handling anxiety and fear. What better reason does Jesus give to not worry? As you think about, you've done this work, you're naming your, your anxieties. What better reason does Jesus have? Uh, just pick one of those that we just saw from Luke, those seven reasons. Pick one and, 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 and apply it to, to the anxiety and fear. Ask God to help you take it to heart. Can you repeat that? Take one of those seven reasons to not worry from Luke chapter 12 that we, that we went through and just apply it directly to whatever it is that you named as your anxiety or, or that you're worrying about. Just pick one. You don't have to try to take all of them. That can be overwhelming. Just pick one and say, Lord, I want to really, today I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on the fact that my life is more valuable than food and drink. And I pray that you would, through that, that you would address how I'm looking to this as if it's more powerful than you are. Or, or you, it might be the truth that we matter more to God than the crows. Or that, you, that worry adds nothing to life. Or looking at the lilies. Or not seeking food and drink but His kingdom. Or the promises that He has to give us Himself. Or, or the fact that we should be giving ourselves away. See, we could add to that. That just the truth that God is always, always near. And that there's always grace for today. Just take one. You don't, have to, you don't have to do all of them. Just take one and apply it to the area of worry or, or whatever, or, or anxiety. If you're anxious about a medical test, what would be a good one to apply there? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> take any one you want. You know, are you worried about about the bill that's coming in the mail so you don't go to the mailbox for four days. What would be applied to that? Any of these things would be good. You're anxious about your kid's first day at school. And you know, you know, you can say, I know worrying about this or worrying about my child is not going to be any good. I, I think about how God cares about the lilies and the crows. He will care for my child. Apply it. Push on it. And ask the Lord to keep you in that. You're anxious about losing your job. What would we think about that? Yeah. Dealing with anxiety and fear, number five. Number four was, you know, find a reason and apply it. Number, number five was go to your father. Go to your father about these things. Talk to him. Tell him every concern. Talk to him about how you worry. Talk to him about how it affects you. Talk to him about your attempts to battle anxiety and fear. Just be brutally honest. Have a brutally honest conversation with the Lord about these things. Lord, I have no idea how to give you my anxiety, but but here they are. I want to do better. I need your help. Just, uh, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm clipping along and then this thing comes and, it, and it just derails everything in my life. I don't want to be that way anymore. I want to be faithful to you. I, just, and you just keep having a, this brutally honest conversation with the Lord again and again. Six. Find resources that help. A good worship CD. I can recommend a good one if you're dealing with significant 
fear and anxiety from Sovereign Grace, Come Weary Soul. Can you, can you think of the songs on that now? I wish I would have looked in that. Come Weary, Come Weary Saints. Excuse me. Just a wonderful scene. And there's many. I mean, that's just... Use that. Give yourself to thanking God for what He has done and all He has given to you. Give yourself to counting your blessings and adoring Him for all that He is and be part of a worshiping community where Christ is exalted and the gospel is regularly and powerfully proclaimed without apology. Number seven, give yourself. Do and say something that's constructive outside of yourself. That's part of turning the arrow outward. Care for someone else. Call someone up and say, you're on my heart. I want to pray for you. Meet a need. In the darkest hole, when the world is tough, there's always ways to give yourself and to help others and to tend to their needs. And it's vital that we do that. Eight, bring a faithful friend into your anxiety. Talk to them about it. Tell them what your anxieties are and how they affect you. Bring them into specific ways to pray for you and walk with you. Pray regularly with them about this, not just when anxiety hits. Just make this bring. And if you if you feel like you're going towards crippling anxieties, then you really need to be very proactive. And if and if you feel like, and I would, I, I need to say this: if you're really beyond. Like if you're dealing with stuff that just, it's crippling, it's debilitating in your life, you need to talk to a pastor. Certainly talk to a, to a fellowship group leader, but you probably need, on, on that level, I think 95% of what people deal with in the church, the church body can handle. But there's that 5% sometimes that just needs a little bit more. And if, if we have pastors, can't have, I, I, have, I, have, I have a counseling service that I can wholeheartedly recommend that's exactly in all that we're talking about here, and I can gladly recommend them. Uh, but just, I, I want to, you know, if you feel like this is beyond just like, this is crippling in your life, then you need to talk to a pastor. Even if you're, it's crippling, even if you're talking to a pastor, you still need to bring a faithful friend or faithful brother or sister into your life. Nine. Learn to breathe. Remember, for these physical bodies... Breathing techniques, I know they're usually associated with labor pains <laughs> or with Eastern religious mysticism. You know, Terry and I, we, we, we took a yoga stretch class a number of years ago at the, at the, at the gym where we were members. And, um, and at the end of it, basically, he, he just said, now relax and let the purple energy come out of you. <laughs> okay, we're, we're in a room. <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of breathing stuff. And it's a shame because it gets co-opted into that because God made us embodied souls. We're embodied souls. Um, Again, God could have created us with purely spiritual existence, but He didn't. So, the breathing thing is very helpful. We know breathing reduces stress hormones. It can stabilize the heart. Uh, The balance levels of carbon dioxide and oxygen in the bloodstream level out or become balanced I should say 
the bodily mechanisms of breathing can help us to reestablish balance in the body. This helps us to respond in faith to the promises and presence of God. And if you're having a panic attack, I have learned this in my own life. Now, I've not had severe panic attacks, but I have learned that if you breathe through it, panic attacks only last, the severity of it only lasts like five, six minutes, maybe 10. But that's... If you get past that, everything just calms down. And breathing kind of helps you do that. How God made our bodies to slow down and steady our response despite the challenging situations. This is an act of faith and trust in the Lord. The promise that He is near. We're breathing. We're thinking about the Lord. We're thinking about these things. We're trying to to shift our focus onto the Lord. And in those breathing, it helps us to be still and know that He is God. So breathing has as its ultimate goal, faith working itself out in love. So, I mean, there's all kinds of breathing things out here. Some of the things that I've done in my life that I've found very helpful, and maybe it'd be helpful for you, is this when anxiety comes on, you breathe in through your nose with a four count. One, two, three, four. You hold it for one or two seconds, and then you breathe out. One, two, three, four. And you just do that again and again. It just calms and it regulates and it's a tool that God can give us so that the physical things that are going on in our body aren't controlling us. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, I have one other thing to cover and then we're done. Um, I want to I address the, the question of, is worry sin? Is anxiety sin? Because this can also cripple people in guilt and shame. Uh, We cannot help anxious thoughts popping up. But we can help whether we fret over them. We cannot control our body's initial reaction to things. But we can control how we respond to the initial reaction. Concerns for safety and health may come charging into our minds but we do not have to allow them to take control. See, worrying and fretting are an expression of unbelief. They are a functional denial that God is present, that God isn't good and kind, and that God isn't powerful. So feeling anxiety isn't necessarily a sin. Refusing to turn to Christ and trust in God is. Does that make it's, it, it's, it's whether we wallow in it and let it, let it become the strongest voice in our lives. God enables us to respond differently to that. And we may be anxious, but how, how do we respond to the anxiety? Feeling anxious or fearful is not sinful. How we respond to the anxiety and fear determines whether we give place to sin or to faith. Does 